Take your Bible tonight, please. Uh, we're continuing tonight a series in 1 Samuel. Uh, a series tonight in 1 Samuel. And uh, we'll pick up where we left off last week. So uh, last Wednesday night in 1 Samuel chapter 11, we'll be in chapter 12 tonight. In 1 Samuel chapter 11, we saw uh, God, well, you remember God and his permissive will uh, has chosen Saul to be the first king of the people. Now you remember, it really wasn't God's plan. It wasn't God's design or his desire for the people to have a king. They looked out in the world and said, hey, we ought to be like the world. Let's get a king. And uh, God told Samuel, well, I will permit that. Uh, so this was in God's permissive will. But Marilyn, you remember last week, and it kind of lined up with our, our history here in our own country, we had sort of a king-elect. Saul had been the king-elect, but not quite inaugurated yet. And the Lord seems to have moved sovereignly in history, and, um, or at least allowed uh, an attack on God's people. Do you remember... Uh, do you remember the name of that king that attacked God's people? It was up there in the northeast, right? Uh, it was in Jabesh Gilead where the attack occurred, um, and it was a king from, from where? Where was that king from? Do you remember? I'll look back at verse, chapter 11, uh, verse 1. Then Nahash the Ammonite, there it is. Uh, I, I tried to mispronounce his name four or five times last week at least. Nahash the Ammonite. So, you remember the Ammonites had a beef. They, they, they desired uh, some revenge. Uh, and Jabesh Gilead looked kind of like a weak target given the history there. Uh, and so that was a good place for him to seek some revenge. Well, uh, God did not allow King Nahash of the Ammonites to have his revenge. Uh, instead, God gave Saul and the people a victory, a supernatural, God-ordained victory. Maryland, God's still in the business of giving supernatural, God-ordained. God's still in control of all things, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a Calvinist, but I understand that God's in control. I understand the sovereignty uh, of God. God worked sovereignly there in that situation to give the people a victory. He protected them. Uh, and I believe God allowed that situation and used it for his purpose of showing those who had opposed Saul as the king of the people that, hey, this, you know, if you're going to demand a king, God will allow it, but this is the one. This one God will, will, will install, and God used the victory that Saul had secured for the people uh, to show that to the people. And uh, with that, Saul was officially inaugurated, coronated, take your word, he was officially recognized as the king. Now, again, I want, don't want you to lose sight of the fact that Saul as king, God is permitting it, but it is not God's ideal plan. Here in chapter 12, Samuel is going to preach a message. It's an important message. He's basically going to say, I'm going to give you this introduction, I'm going to stop and pray, then we'll jump in, Okay. Uh, Samuel's going to say, listen, I'm going to tell you some things and I want you to listen because you've known me to be faithful and reliable and I've never done anything to wrong you. And they say, sure enough, Samuel, gotcha, that's, that's true, uh, sure enough. So, so listen, listen is the idea. And then he begins to review some things about God. He says, listen, you know who the Lord is. He's the one that brought you out of Egypt. Um, and then he goes on, he says, uh, the Lord is the one who has corrected you when you turn from him and turn to false gods 
Isn't it the Lord who corrected you back during the time of the judges? And we've been through that chapter recently, right? He, he's reviewing this with them. God is God. God's a sovereign God. He's righteous God. Uh, he's the God that delivered you from Egypt. He's the God that corrected you when you needed to be corrected. And he's also the same God that delivered them from the oppressive uh, nations that oppressed the people uh, until they repented of sin. God ultimately delivered them in response to uh, their repentance. And so on the foundation of that kind of quick review of history, Samuel preaches and urges the people, hey, you need to get right with God. He says, you need to get right with God. This same God who's corrected you in the past when you need to be corrected, same God who's done right by you when you've repented of sin and got right with God. He says, you need to get right with God. And if you'll get right with God, uh, you can be blessed rather than corrected. By the way, is that still true tonight? Is it still true tonight? A Christian person who's not right with God could reasonably expect correction, <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of the time at least. And it's not easy, but it's the loving hand of God in, on our life, encouraging us to turn from sin and get right with God. And when we do that, uh, he blesses. Let me back up for a moment and ask you this tonight. Um, what about someone who hasn't yet come to Christ and placed and repented of sin and placed their faith in Christ for salvation, to be saved, to be saved? Um, will God allow trials into that person's life sometime to get their attention, to cause them to kind of wake up and say, you know what, I really do need Christ in my life. Does God do that today? I believe you see that everywhere, right? I believe you see that everywhere. Brother Ray, I believe we see that all over the world tonight. I'm going to say again tonight, God has purposes for all of the trials that he's allowing into the world tonight. The Bible says he has purposes for trials, and you know, if God has purposes for trials, he must have a lot of, a lot of purpose tonight. Amen? Because <laughs> there's all kinds of, whether it's the affliction related to COVID-19 or uh, the political instability around the world and now in our own nation as well, uh, all the things related to those, God has purposes for allowing difficulties. And Ray, I'm going to say this tonight. We need to continue to pray that God will use these difficulties to get people's attention and cause them, cause them to realize they need Christ. Um, not just to get through the difficulties. God will use the difficulties to wake people up, but what's the, what's the ultimate reason to come to Christ? Uh, Zach, do you have one reason why someone should come to Christ if they've never done that before? Number one, to avoid hell. So anyone who comes to Christ, their sins are forgiven because he's paid the price for their sin, and uh, his payment is paid on to our account the moment that we place our faith in him, right? The perfect sacrifice that he made upon the cross be paid on to our account due with God, due to our sin, um, if we would just turn from sin and place our faith in him. That's the purpose of the cross. You, I like your second answer. And I just asked you for one, but you gave two. Does he get extra credit for that, do you think? We're going to give him extra credit, Carolyn, okay? What, what was the second one? To glorify God. When, when people respond to trials and, and come to Christ, that, that brings glory to God. It's proof that God is at work and, and God desires still to save people and to change their lives and to give them hope, uh, hope this side of heaven and, and hope for what is all uh, ahead of us, um, uh, the other side of this life, heaven and, and beyond. Uh, yeah, that glorifies God <laughs> to change people's lives. Uh, the Lord is glorified when lives are changed. And uh, is Christ still very much in the business of giving people hope and changing their lives? Is he giving you hope? 
Do you have hope tonight, even though it seems like everything's crashing down all around us out there? Do you still have hope tonight? Amen. Amen. We have, we have hope of, of the certainty of heaven, the hope of the Lord not forsaking us, no matter how bad things get in this world, the hope of spending an eternity with the Lord in, in, in a perfect place. Uh, praise God. Uh, praise God. So uh, tonight, if, if you have not yet come to Christ, I encourage you to consider your need for Christ. We're all sinners, according to the Bible. We uh, we all have a debt due. We can the debt can be paid uh, through the the price Christ has paid, or we, or we have the alternative choice of paying it ourselves in an eternal hell. I don't like that option. I dare say you don't either. Uh, and so I encourage you tonight to to consider your need for Christ if if you've not yet um, done that. Um, we'll look tonight here in First Samuel and uh, see the lessons that we can take here tonight. Uh, he's dealing with, with believers and the disobedience of believers here tonight um, and encouraging people to fear the Lord, uh, to have a, a profound respect for him, to serve the Lord, Marilyn, to obey him, and to take great care to never rebel against him. And if they will do that, God will be with them, and they can expect blessings. If they will do the opposite, uh, God's still there, but they can expect correction, just as they experienced during the time of the, of the judges which we saw in the book of Judges. So with that said, I'm going to pray and we're going to jump in here, okay? Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you tonight for um, our church. Thank you for uh, those who are able to be here tonight. Thank you for others who are watching online tonight. Thank you for visitors, Lord. We're grateful. Father, I pray tonight that uh, you'd work in our hearts, Lord, that we would We'd sense you're working in our hearts tonight, that it, knowing tonight that it's real, that you're real, that you really are present in a special way with us tonight. Lord, that your word is just that. It's your words, and that your words are quick, they're alive and powerful, and they, um, they have the effect, Lord, that you desire. Father, as we look into this passage tonight, I pray, Lord, that you would show us exactly what you would have us to see as a church and as individuals, and Lord, that we would apply uh, these things tonight in our life, just exactly as you desire. Lord, help me now. I certainly need that. Help each hearer, help each person here, Father, tonight uh, to receive your words as the truth that they are. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you and ask that you work here now for your honor and your glory. Uh, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Are we ready to dig in? You ready? All right, let's do that. First Samuel chapter 12. First uh, Samuel chapter 12. So uh, Samuel is uh, just kind of reviewing things here. First Samuel chapter 12, verse 1. Samuel said unto all Israel, Behold, uh, see this, I have hearkened unto your voice. I have listened to you and your desire for a king uh, in all that you said unto me and have made a king over you. They said we need a king. Look around, see the world. The world has a king. We need a king too. Uh, of course, they were called to be different than the world, but God allowed them. Uh, God allowed them to have a king, Maryland. God wanted to teach them some things. And, you know, God will allow us to go down the wrong road, to go down a road that's not his desire sometimes, so that we can learn a lesson, right? Uh, he, he will allow, in his permissive will at times, something that is against his will so that we can learn uh, a thing or two. Now, I told you already, Samuel's going to say, listen, I'm going to preach some things to you, but I want you to just consider who, who the preacher is. Uh, I've proven myself to be faithful to you. Uh, you have nothing against me. I have nothing against you. So I'm, I'm not going to you know, preach to do you any harm. Um, you can trust me. I'm, I'm the guy that's proven himself trustworthy, he says, uh, all of these years. Samuel's old now. 
Uh, he's getting to the end of his ministry. He says in verse 2, And now, behold, the king, uh, Saul, walketh before you, and I am what? Old and gray-headed. Uh, and behold, my sons are with you, and I have walked before you uh, from my childhood unto this day. Who was Samuel's mother? That she, she prayed for a son, and she, she promised that God gave her a son that she would dedicate him to service, right? And who was that? What was Hannah, right? Uh, and and she, she honored her, her pledge. God gave her a son, uh, and she delivered her son to, uh, uh, to the tabernacle. Uh, and Eli uh, was, was the priest there. And Samuel had been serving God, uh, evidently, in, in that place, in that capacity ever since. Uh, now Samuel asks them. He, he wants them to consider, can they trust him? Uh, he wants them to realize, yeah, we, we can trust this, this guy who's about to preach this message to him. He says, behold, here I am, verse 3, witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Well, he never stole anybody's ox. Or whose ass, whose donkey have I taken? None. Uh, or whom have I defrauded? No one. Uh, whom have I oppressed? He didn't oppress anyone. Or of whose hand have I received any bribe to blind mine eyes therewith? And I will restore it to you. He says, listen, uh, if, if anybody here has anything against me, if I've done anything wrong against any of you, you tell me, I'll consider it, and if I need to do something to get right with you, I'll do it right now before I go on. But uh, what I really want you to do is what he's saying. I want you to realize that, that that's just not me. I'm, I prove myself honest and faithful and, and trustworthy. Um, Marilyn, he's got, he has a good testimony. Um, he has not wronged people. He has not done wrong before the people. Now, of course, he's not sinless. The Bible says all have sinned and come, uh, and, and come short of the glory of God. That includes all of us. That's why we need a Savior. One sin uh, would, would condemn me to hell. Uh, thankfully, only one Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is required to avoid hell. Uh, and faith in him is, is the way we get the grace we need to avoid that. But uh, Samuel has, even though he's not perfect, certainly, he's got a good testimony He's protected his testimony throughout his life. It's not been perfect, but he's protected it. Uh, and so he can present himself to the people as someone who they can trust. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a trustworthy messenger uh, for God because he has taken care uh, to protect his testimony. Uh, what, is, is there still value today in protecting your testimony? Same value, right? I mean, how, how can you go and, and share Bible truth with someone if, if they know you to be the most dishonest person on the block? Uh, but if they, if they know you to be a decent person, not perfect, but decent uh, and generally reliable and trustworthy, committed to truth and so forth, uh, you know, your testimony will open doors and give you an opportunity uh, to share truth with people. The, one of the worst things that can happen is uh, a choice that would harm our testimony for Christ. And Marilyn, I'm thankful tonight testimonies can be rebuilt, but it takes a whole lot longer to rebuild than, than to build them in the first place. And so I pray tonight, Lord, help me to protect my testimony. Uh, God, don't let me do anything uh, as a pastor, certainly, but pray the same for all of us. Lord, help us to live according to your word, uh, not in our strength, but in yours, so that our testimonies could be protected, uh, understanding that our testimony is the testimony of Christ to the world, and uh, so that you could use us exactly the way uh, that you desire. Well, the people respond, hey, Samuel, you know, we've, we've known you to be a good guy, trustworthy. They said, verse 4, thou hast not defrauded us, nor oppressed us, neither hast thou taken aught of any man's hand. You've not taken anything from any of us. Uh, you've had a good testimony. 
Uh, and so he's, he's just asking questions to cause them uh, to consider that and uh, to realize that what he's about to preach to them is coming from someone who, who is trustworthy. Now, Samuel wants them to, to realize that, but more than that, um, he wants them to think about God, Marilyn, and what he's about to say about the Lord. He, he wants them to realize that he's an honest, reliable messenger for God, but his message is not going to be about him. It's going to be about the Lord, about God. And so he very quickly, having established his reliability as the messenger of God, turns their attention from off of him and back on to God. In verse 5, he's, he said, Then the Lord is witness against you. And his anointed is witness this day that ye have not found aught in my hand. And they answered, uh, yep, he's witness, sure enough. And he begins to reveal God's history of working in the lives of his people, of bringing the people uh, from Israel, sorry, out of Egypt, uh, through the wilderness, into the promised land, and uh, things that happened there. First three, verse 6, Samuel 6. Samuel said unto the people, it is the Lord that advanced Moses and Aaron and that brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Pastor, didn't, didn't uh, Moses do that? Didn't Moses lead the people out? Uh, yes, he did, but did, do you, could he have done it without God? <laughs> could he have done it without God working miraculously uh, at the Red Sea and working miraculously in the wilderness? No, certainly not. It was God working through Moses and Aaron to accomplish the deliverance of the people uh, from Egypt. So, you know, God's been good to the people. He first reminds them that God has been gracious uh, and good to them. He continues in verse 7, Now therefore stand still. Stand still, y'all just hush up and stay still, he says, and listen, that I may reason with you, grammatically all of them, before the Lord, of all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and to your fathers. Verse 8 continues, when Jacob was come into Egypt, and your fathers cried unto the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron and brought forth your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place, in the land that he had promised. Why is it called the promised land, Zach? It's the land that God had promised uh, to take them into. And, and God is a God. Is God a God who keeps promises? Is he a God who keeps promises? Brother Ray, does God keep promises to you in the sound booth? <laughs> has he broken any promises to you today? How about last year or the year before. He hasn't, has he? You know, once we understand what God's promises are, we very quickly realize he's not a God who breaks promises. He's a God who makes promises uh, to care for his people, and he's a God who, who keeps his promises. Marilyn, has God promised you great wealth and fame, fortune? No, he has not promised you those things, but he's promised to meet your basic needs, and he has. He promised to bring the people into a land that he promised uh, and to meet their needs there, and, and he's done that. He's had to correct them because they've turned away from him at times. By the way, what would a, when, a, when a child needs correction, what is the most unloving thing that a parent can do? When, when a child is not obeying, when a child is just kind of doing their own thing and getting into trouble, what is the most unloving thing that a parent could do? Zach? Say again. Ignore it. <laughs> Just ignore it. What's the most loving thing that a parent could do? Address it. Correct them. Not angrily, hopefully. Uh, Zach is my son, visitors, and um, his dad was not always a perfect, loving corrector. He'd probably tell you that, and he would, he would be telling the truth. Um, 
But God is a perfect, loving corrector of his people. And that is the most loving, and God, God is love, amen? Uh, he loved us so much, he sent his only begotten son to die in our place. He loves us enough to correct us. Um, and so uh, Samuel's about to review here how, you know what, God has been so good to you, but you've turned, people, you've turned, uh, your fathers have turned from God the Father in the past, and, and God lovingly corrected you. Lovingly, yes, but it was harsh and it was difficult, uh, look in verse 9, he, he begins to review just quickly some of the history uh, from the, the days of the judges uh, in the book of Judges. He says, and when they forget, when they forgot the Lord, Jehovah, their God, he sold them into the hands of Sisera, uh, judges from Judges, captain of the host of Hazor, you may uh, remember him, uh, Judges uh, chapter 3, I believe, 3 and 4, uh, and into the hands of the Philistines, uh, and into the hand of the king of Moab, uh, and they fought against them. So uh, we, we have here uh, references to different times in the past where people fell into sin, and God dealt with them. God corrected them by allowing an enemy to come and essentially conquer them and subjugate them and oppress them. Uh, for how long, Zach? How long did God let that go on? I know it was technically different periods of years, but what was the thing that needed to happen before God would raise up a judge who would deliver the people from that enemy oppressor and begin blessing them again? What did they need to do? They needed to repent of sin. That's what they needed to do, right? They, they had fallen into sin and God corrected them. They needed to repent of sin. Uh, that's what they needed to do. And when they did that, uh, God lifted the oppression, raised up a judge. Uh, by the way, who do those judges picture? Uh, th those who delivered the people from the consequence of their sin. All of those judges in that sense pictured who? Picture the Lord Jesus Christ, right? He's the one who ultimately delivers us from the consequence, the final consequence of our sin, uh, eternal punishment in a very real hell. Don't, don't forget that, all of those judges. Uh, picture the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and so uh, Samuel's saying, listen, you have a God who's been good to you. Uh, he's given you a trustworthy messenger whose message is this. God has been so good to you in the past, gracious. He's a God that loves you enough to correct you uh, when you turn from him and, and, and turned into sin. Uh, and he's a God who's loved you enough to um, lift the correction when you repented, when you turned from sin uh, and came back to him. He's raised up uh, a, a judge to deliver you uh, and to save you from that, to deliver you from the consequences of your sin. Verse 10 says this, they cried unto the Lord and said, we have sinned. Um, they cried, let me go back here for one second. Uh, verse 9, verse 10, their response here, their response, they cried unto the Lord and said, we have sinned, uh, we have sinned. Uh, he's, he's still speaking back to the time of the judges when the people uh, were under God's correction. What people do? Eventually, they cried un unto the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served Balaam and Ashtaroth. Who are these guys? They're, what are they? They're, they're fake gods. They're false gods, right? They're idols, uh, Balaam and Ashtaroth. But now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies and we will serve thee. Yeah, God corrected them. He gave them a good spank as hard as they needed. And 
uh, is the, what a loving God would do, not just let them continue in sin forever, just getting further and further away from the Lord. No, a loving parent corrects lovingly. Verse 11, the Lord sent uh, Jerubabel. Jerubabel. Do you remember who this is? This is someone who has a, another name, Brother Amechik, who is um, that we might know him better by. I had to think about this when I was studying. Uh, it's Gideon. Gideon was called Jerubabel. Uh, and Baden and Jephthah and Samuel uh, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side uh, and ye dwelled safely. So that's yeah, that's the God that Samuel uh, is preaching about. So he preaches about God working um, in, the, in the lives of the nation, in the, <laughs> the history of the remote history of the nation. And then he kind of brings it right back to the, the immediate uh, past, uh, the last chapter. He says, you know, this is, this is the same God who's rescued you from Nahash, the king of Ammon, the Amorites. Uh, verse 12, and when ye, all of you, saw that Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, came against you, ye said unto me, nay, but a king shall reign over us uh, when the Lord your God was king. Now, that, that's the history. Uh, that's the history. Um, they, they, their response to difficulties in their life was to desire a king. Brother Ray, their response to difficulties in their life should have been to desire what? God didn't, it wasn't God's plan for them to have a king at this point. You know, eventually David will come along. We understand that, that God's going to work through David. And, um, but it wasn't God's plan for them to have a king yet. It wasn't his plan for Saul to be king. He'll, he'll use Saul for sure, but it wasn't God's plan. Rather than when they got into trouble, they cry out for a king like those other nations have. God desired that they would cry out to whom? To whom? To, to him right? Not a different plan, uh, not a different person, not to rely upon a man, but to rely upon, I understand Jesus came as a man, you know, but, but, to, but to stay focused on God and to rely upon him. Um, Samuel wants to remind them that their insistence, their begging, their crying out for a king, rather than crying out to the king of kings, and that was sinful, uh, that was sinful. God has permitted them to have a king, uh, but it's not his plan. Uh, and now they have a choice. They have a choice to make. So, Zach, if, if, if Samuel presents this as a sinful thing, uh, up to this point, they've done right or they've done wrong. They've done wrong, right? Uh, verse, 12, verse 13 says this, Now, therefore, behold, the king whom you have chosen, uh, pointing to Saul, no doubt, and whom you have desired, uh, and behold, the Lord hath set a king over you. He's done that. Uh, he's permitted that because you've demanded it. Uh, again, I think the idea is he's permitted it because he wants to teach you some things. Uh, back in chapter 8, you remember God told Samuel to warn the people that if they insisted on king, things would not go well for them, right? He gave them some very specific areas where things would not go well for them. Maryland, they've been warned by God through Samuel, this trustworthy messenger, and yet they've insisted on having a king that is not God's plan. And God says, okay, I'm allow this to teach you some things, but the insistence on something that's not God's plan is sin. Uh, by the way, would that still be true today? If, if, if you desire something, whether or not you think it's God's plan for your life, and, and you just fix your attention on that thing, no matter what, what, what might you call that? Uh, what was it? might be an addiction, 
It, it, it could be that, right? Some, something that, that you would fix your desire on rather than God. Um, over time, that, that if it's an addictive thing, it, it might become an addiction, whether it's a chemical substance or pornography or something else. Uh, it could be even food or sugar, that, that sort of thing, right? Um, is, it, is it a sin to, to make your heart's desire something other than the Lord and to focus your attention on something other than the Lord and make that your, your heart's desire, your life's desire. Is, is that a sin? It is a sin. Uh, coveting is a sin. Uh, what, what did Jesus say in response to that? Um, he said, what? I'll, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You don't need it. Uh, you've got me. You don't, you don't need to fix your heart on anything else. Uh, you have me, and I'm not going anywhere. Um, to your point, sir, uh, if, if you will allow your heart to stay fixed on something other than God, over time, your heart will desire that more and more, and uh, that may become an addictive uh, situation. Um, when that is the case, is there strength in Christ to break free of the bond to something addictive, whatever it is. Is, is that true? We've heard so many testimonies. We, we know that's true. Uh, whether it's alcohol or drugs or pornography or men, whatever it is, um, there is a power available in Christ uh, to break free from that thing. And, of course, it requires um, having Christ in your life, faith in him, uh, genuine, true faith in him. It could be childlike faith, but it does take true faith in him. Um, and just yielding to the Lord and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives um, to get free of that addiction. Uh, that is entirely possible. I promise you that tonight. Well, Samuel has brought the people to a place where he rec they, they remembered they have a good God. They have a good messenger from God. Um, they have a God who will correct them when they've done wrong, and they've done wrong. They've, they've desired a king more than God, and God's permitted this to teach them. And now Samuel says, listen, you're, you're kind of at a crossroads here. Uh, you're at a crossroads where you can turn back to God and get right with him. You, you can fear God the way he wants you to. Have a profound, you can choose to put your eyes back on God and have the right kind of profound respect for God that you should have and serve him and obey him and stop rebelling against him uh, or you, and, and no blessings, no find blessings from God. Or you can continue to rebel against God and what? What do you think? Suffer. You can suffer. You can suffer. Um, is it still kind of that way today when God's people rebel against God? Um, does he bless us? Not like he would if you were walking with him. When we repent and, and get right, he'll, he'll lift the chastening hand of uh, <laughs> correction and, and restore blessings. That's true in our lives as believers. Um, I praise God for a God who doesn't just let us continue down the wrong road. Uh, here's first choice, verse 14. If ye, ye is grammatically all of them, will fear the Lord. Fear him. He's God. He's sovereign. Uh, and if you fear him, you might, you might just serve him. 
uh, and obey him, obey his voice, and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord then. So this is an if-then construction. If you'll do this, then God, then shall both ye and also the king that reigneth over you continue uh, following Lord your God. So if, if you will fear God, obey him, not rebel, serve him, you know, that, that'll set you on the right road. <laughs> that, that'll set you and, and your king on the right road with God. And God will be in a place to bless you. And, and as a nation, you'll be in a place to, uh, to, to know a close walk with God and know God's blessings uh, in all that he desires for his people. But if not, uh, if not, suffering was the word I, I believe I heard. If you'll rebel against God, you can expect something quite opposite of that, chastening, correction. Uh, verse 15, what's the first word in verse 15? But. So here's, here's a pivot point. Here's the other option. Uh, in computer programming, you have that if-then-else thing. If-then-else. <laughs> uh, or else, if you choose option two, uh, if ye will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel um, against the commandment, the words of God, of the Lord, then uh, shall the hand of the Lord be what? Against you. All of you. You, Y-O-U is, is plural uh, in, in Hebrew. Uh, be against you uh, as it was against your fathers. Was the hand of God, Zach, was the hand of God always against their fathers? It was not. When they were living obediently, God was able to bless them. When they walked away from God and disobeyed them, he corrected them. It was harsh, but it was loving. It was loving hand of God. So Samuel says, listen, you're, you're really at a crossroads. God's permitted what you want, even though it's sin. And now you have a choice. You can get right with God, no blessing, or you can turn from God and no suffering and difficulty. Uh, and the Lord steps in uh, and says, you know, maybe they need a little bit of a, a demonstration of a little reminder of the power of God just to encourage them to make the right choice. Um, did you ever need a little reminder of the power of God to encourage you to make the right choice? Anybody? <laughs> Anybody? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know, maybe you're toying with, am I going to go the right way or am I going to go the wrong way? And then God stepped in and said, listen, no, you're going the right way. <laughs> uh, God, God just miraculously stepped in and said, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to convict you and burden you. You're going to go the right way and just gave you a little extra nudge supernaturally. Well, God's going to supernaturally nudge the people here. Uh, verse 16, now, therefore, stand, Samuel says, now, therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. He says, pay attention. God's going to, he's going to remind you just who he is and what he's like and how powerful he is. Samuel says, is not the wheat harvest today? Uh, so just quick little uh, histor history here. Uh, the wheat harvest, the season that he's referring to here, would typically be, would normally be a very dry time. It wasn't the rainy season where growing was happening. It was the harvest season where harvesting was happening. And uh, this would typically normally be a very dry year, so a time, a very dry time of year. So if suddenly it began to rain and storm horrifically, Maryland, this would be really surprising. I mean, you'd, you'd be so surprised by this that you would say, God really wants our attention right now because this is like a supernatural thing. This just doesn't happen. So uh, if, it be, if the skies just began to open and, and storm like, like crazy, uh, you would know that God was knocking on the door and saying, hey, I want your attention right now. I'm real, I'm powerful, and you really should 
pay attention to my messenger. Uh, so he says, is, not, is, is it not uh, wheat harvest today? He says, I will call, middle of verse 17, unto the Lord, and he shall send thunder and rain, uh, that ye may perceive and see what? That your wickedness is great, which ye have done in the sight of the Lord uh, in asking you a king. Desiring a king other than God was not God's plan. It was incredibly wicked. Uh, I've given you God's message about this. Now God's going to demonstrate his dissatisfaction uh, and his power to either bless you for repenting uh, or to make it hard <laughs> you know, to lovingly correct you. Uh, he, here he is. He's, he's got power. Uh, verse 18, so Samuel called unto the Lord. Uh, he cried out, he prayed, and the Lord sent thunder uh, and rain that day. This would be a profoundly surprising thing. It would be a demonstration of God's power in a very visible, Maryland in a very wet, <laughs> wet way. Uh, see the response of the people, middle of verse 18. All the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. Samuel is God's messenger. Uh, go back to verse 14. If you will fear the Lord. That would encourage them to serve him and obey his voice and not rebel. They're, they're fearing God now. They've, they've been reminded that he's, he's real, uh, he's powerful, uh, he's not a false made-up God like the gods of the Canaanites and uh, so many of the gods of the world's religions today. He's real, uh, he can bless or he can correct. All the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. Lord, help us to have a, a proper biblical fear of you. God, I know you love me and you, you desire all the best for me, but also know that uh, you want us to have a profound respect for you, a, a fear. Verse 19, all the people said unto Samuel, pray. Uh, so they feared God. They said, Samuel, you, would you pray for us? They're, God's got their attention. Pray for thy servants unto the Lord. Uh, he says, thy God, your God. Aren't they his God? Isn't God his? Let me try that again. <laughs> Isn't God their God also? They're still working on it. They're coming back to him. Uh, pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God that we what? That we die not. Uh, they, they feel like, hey, uh, we don't get right here. Uh, the hand of God is going to be against us as it was against our fathers, verse 15. They're right, because that was the message God gave Samuel. They're fearing God now. They're, they're asking Samuel to intercede for them, uh, making him a picture of who, Zachary? Of Christ. Samuel, you intercede with the Father for us. So right here, Samuel is picturing Christ. Christ is interceding for me at the right hand of God the Father right now. Marilyn, that's one of the reasons why I know that my salvation is secure. My faith is in Christ, the only way, the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, and he is there in the throne room, seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding uh, for me today. Uh, for we have added unto all our sins this evil. They're confessing. What is confession? What is that? Zach, I'm going to keep picking on you. I don't know. Um, it's agreeing with God. You know, the Holy Spirit convicts you, you should confess. And to confess is just say, God, I agree, I'm guilty. Right? If you went into a courtroom and confessed, you'd be, you'd be saying, I agree with the charge, I am guilty. Um, they confessed. Uh, they said, for we have added unto all of our sin this evil, what evil? To ask us a king. They're agreeing. Uh, with the, the charge that God has brought to them through Samuel, the trustworthy messenger. Uh, Samuel begins to, or continues to, to preach and instruct them. Um, they are they're confessing and repenting. Samuel, verse 20, said, And the people fear not, 
Ye have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, uh, but serve the Lord with all your heart. He's encouraging them. Uh, we've been talking recently about how if, if you'll confess sin and, and get right with God, if you'll come to Christ for the first time, a weight just comes off of your shoulders, right? Is that true? Do you remember that? I do. I was 10. Uh, how much weight could there have been? Well, all the sin of a 10-year-old. Uh, do you remember when you came to Christ and you knew that forgiveness in, in that first moment and the weight of sin just came off of your shoulders? You, you know what I mean, right? What, or now that you're a believer, you're a saved person, uh, saved from what? Saved from hell. Um, you, but you've fallen into some sin and you've continued in that and the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, but you finally confess that, you agree with God, what happens? All the conviction resolves and the weight lifts and uh, as you repent and, and forsake that with God's help, the, the joy comes back. The, all, the joy that was crowded out by conviction and ick and sin is, is replaced. It's, it's gone uh, and, and joy of your salvation flows back in. It's a wonderful thing. Well, Samuel's blessing, God's blessing the people through Samuel for their repentance, and he's encouraging them. Is, um, is encouragement a good blessing? <laughs> is it? It's a great blessing. Does everybody ever need encouragement? It's, it's a great blessing. Uh, Samuel, he just begins to encourage them, no doubt the Spirit of God moving him uh, to do so. He says, serve the Lord with all your heart. Verse 21, turn ye not aside, for then should ye go after vain things, uh, which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain things of the world, you know, addictive things, vain things. Something that's vain, remember, the word has the idea of vapor, right? Uh, a vapor is here for a moment, and then it's gone. It has no lasting presence, but the bigger idea, it has no lasting effect. Uh, you, can, you can live for things that ha can offer you pleasure in a moment, but not pleasure forever. Uh, the Lord offers pleasure and blessings and joy that is not vain. It, it's lasting. Praise God. Uh, Samuel encouraged them. The Lord would not forsake him. Verse 22, for the Lord will not forsake his people uh, for his great name's sake, because uh, it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. Of course, Jesus said in Matthew 28, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That's a good thing, right? Uh, the prom God's promise to be with us, those of us who have come to Christ, he promises to not leave us nor forsake us, but to be with us uh, all the way home. In Hebrews 13 and verse 5, we're reminded of the Lord's promise to never leave us nor forsake us. Pray praise God. Verse 23, Samuel uh, begins to close his message here, and he offers just a little bit of a personal note. He says, uh, moreover, verse 23, as for me, for me, Samuel, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to what? They asked him to pray, and evidently he did, and he said, God forbid that I would stop praying for you. Um, he, that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Let me read it again. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Uh, Samuel recognized that um, it would be a sin for him to stop praying for the people. Uh, that, I will say that if you know to do something right and you don't do it, it's sin. The Bible says that, right? If the Lord has told you, taught you to do something, this is right, 
and you don't do that, that's sin. That's James 4 and verse 17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Samuel knew he was tasked with praying for the people. They asked him to pray, and he said, you know what? Um, I know it's going to be sin for me to not pray for you. It's sin for a pastor to not pray for his people. Uh, it's sin, of course, for us to not pray for each other. Do you pray for each other? We encourage that all the time, right? And, of course, that's one of the great benefits of being a member of a church. You have a, a church family to pray with you and for you. That's, that matters. Amen? Brother Ray, does that matter? Sure it does. <laughs> sure it does. Uh, Samuel, we're done here. Samuel offers two final um, instructions and a warning. He says, only fear the Lord. Fear the Lord and serve him. He's reiterating it. We're, we're kind of thick too sometimes, right? Marilyn? We need to hear it more than once. Fear the Lord and serve him in truth, according to the truth of his words, with all your heart. Put your heart into it. For consider how great things he has done for you. Consider what God has done for you. Fear him, serve him, put your heart into it. Marilyn, he gave his only begotten son to die on the cross for us. Consider what he's done for us and fear him and serve him with all your heart. Not in our strength, but in his strength, yielding to him. Uh, and he says this, another warning here. He's, he ends here, verse 25. But if ye shall still do wickedly, ye shall be consumed, both ye and your king. If you don't turn back to God and obeying him, uh, there will be consequences. He, he reiterates that. Now, are we talking about salvation there? Can, can you earn salvation, right? Can you earn forgiveness of sin by doing good works? That's not what we're talking about. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, right? We're saved by what? Grace through faith. You get the undeserved favor of God, grace through faith. Uh, it's not available to us through any kind of religious works. So that's not what we're talking about here. We understand salvation is by grace through faith. Uh, that's not it. But God's blessings in our lives uh, are conditioned upon living a life that pleases God and according to his words, how we'd know that. Uh, living for his honor and his glory and living for his pleasure, Revelation 4.11, we live for God's pleasure, not our own, right? Um, if the people in Samuel's day would not do that, they could expect correction. Uh, if they would do that, uh, they could expect blessings. And God's people living today can expect the same. Has God changed? He has not. The Bible says that specifically. Understand that we're not Israel. Uh, the church is not Israel. Uh, God, has, God has a unique plan for Israel. But these principles, these principles most certainly apply in our lives today. Uh, I'm going to pray. Zach will come and lead us in a song. Uh, we'll have a, a prayer time and we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you tonight, Lord, for the truth of thy words. Lord, thank you tonight for this great sermon that you gave Samuel uh, to preach. Thank you for the, the testimony of your messenger. Lord, help us to be people who have strong testimonies so that we might be uh, messengers for you and used greatly by you. Father, I understand tonight I, I have no holiness in my life apart from you, apart from the Holy Spirit working in my life. And I, I pray again tonight that you'd help me to simply yield myself uh, to you. 
that the Holy Spirit would uh, fill me and work in my life and produce a holiness um, that is, is not from me. God, it's from you. And I, I thank you tonight, Lord, for uh, that truth. Lord, I pray tonight that uh, we would be a people who fear you, saved people who would fear you, who would continue to fear you, respect you and your words, and Lord, serve you and not rebel against you. Father, we understand tonight that naturally we, we each have our own agenda and the desires of a lost nature that's still there together with that new nature the Holy Spirit gave us. Father, I pray tonight, Lord, that you would help us to commit and recommit ourselves to you, uh, your desires, your words, your agenda for our lives. Lord, I know tonight that's going to go a whole lot better for us. It's going to bring you a whole lot more pleasure and give you a whole lot more glory. And Lord, I'm thankful tonight that when people see a difference in our lives, they, they understand there's something real and something desired. Lord, that opens the door for us to share the gospel, to point people to the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you so much, Father, for that. Thank you for the privilege that we have to live a life in you that pleases you through Christ. Lord, thank you for the privilege we have to share the gospel so that others may come to Christ and, and know his presence in our lives, know the certainty of heaven and the certainty that, that hell will not be part of our future. Lord, to know power from you in our lives when we come to Christ, it's, it's a truly remarkable thing. Father, I thank you so much for that. Lord, I don't know every person here tonight. I don't know if each one here tonight has... Um, if they can think back to a point in their lives when they've made the decision to come to Christ and to place their faith in him. Uh, Father, I, I, I just pray tonight if there's one person here, even one person who has not yet made that decision, Lord, they make that decision even now. Come to you, Lord, and say, Father, I, I've sinned against you. I, I understand. I'm convicted of sin. I agree with you. Lord, I understand tonight that Christ is the only way to know forgiveness, that he paid the price for my sin upon the cross. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to you but by him. Lord, if there's one person here tonight who's not yet made the decision to place their faith in Christ for forgiveness of sin, I pray that they would simply pray a simple prayer. Lord, I, I know I'm a sinner. I know Christ uh, paid that price for me. And as best I understand tonight, I, I'm going to choose to turn from that sin and turn to Christ and to trust him, the blood that he shed, the price he paid upon the cross to be the way that I can be saved, that my sins can be forgiven. Lord, I'll place my faith in, in Christ tonight. Trust tonight, if you've not made that decision, that um, you will do just that. And if you have, I'd, I'd love to be able to discuss that with you to, encourage you to help you in any way that I can and just encourage you to speak with me before you leave or reach out to me it'd be my privilege uh, to be able to encourage you father I pray tonight that um, those of us who know Christ if there's sin in our lives we take a moment and just confess that just confess that agree with you Lord ask you for your grace your strength to put it off to turn away from it, to forsake it, to put on obedience in its place, Lord, for your honor and for your glory. Lord, I thank you tonight that I, I don't do that in my own strength. I don't have to gin that up in myself. Um, but Lord, you 
you provide the conviction, the direction, and the strength to do just that. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. Father, I love you. I thank you for all of these things. I pray this now in Jesus' name.